Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Irrational Thoughts Podcast. My name is Matthew Corser and I'm here with my co-host, DeAndre Honorable. And we are coming off the coattails of the latest Democratic debate between Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, and Martin O'Malley, the last debate before the Iowa caucus. We will be discussing that briefly, but before we get into that extensively, what we really wanted to talk about is the executive authority by the president and most recently his executive actions on gun control and what it means in general for the country, for the president to have these kind of authorities. So I will turn the mic over to my friend, if you would like to get us going on this conversation. Yeah, so basically what happened is is that Barack Obama issued some executive orders to try to close the loopholes at gun shows and to require licensing with gun manufacturers. Um, It doesn't really affect people who own guns right now, but it affects uh, people who produce guns as well as those who are going to be buying guns going forward in the future. Um, What this really is, I mean, what people should be really worried about is how much power the executive branch is basically taking upon themselves for the nation. Um, You know, it may not, I mean, even if, even with good intentions in the long run, giving too much power to one executive, to one person in the long run is going to be a bad thing. Um, So I think that's where, you know, even if you are or you are not for gun control, you should be very weary of people being a little, especially in politics, taking on this type of authority, especially when it's something that isn't really the president's job. His job is only only to be able to enforce the law. Um, But this is actually something that Congress should be doing. But I'll, yeah. I'll yeah, pass it on to you to see what you got to say about it. No, I mean, it's it's his – I understand he has – I mean, everybody has strong feelings on gun control, and it's been like a big issue of his presidency. And it's been a big frustration that he said a few weeks ago when he had that speech that it's been a big frustration that he hasn't been able to get anything done on gun control. And while I sympathize with him and I – I feel bad that like his, that he hasn't been able to get anything done. That that's just unfortunately part of the process. Like he, this Congress has not wanted to get anything done with him, and the only way he thinks he can get something done is through executive action. And while people who think that's a great thing that he's to be able able to do this executive action for gun control, like you know these powers don't go away with Barack Obama when he leaves next year. If hypothetically Donald Trump gets this, gets the presidency, he will have executive action and he can overturn all of Obama's executive action because they're not law. The executive actions aren't law. He can overturn everything and he can instill executive actions that other people won't like. It's, it's just a recurring cycle of things that can happen. And like you said, that's what happened when people, when one person in this government has too much power, there's, there's no more checks and balances anymore. Like the president has way too much power, right? Exactly, and not only that, but it, but it sets a, it sets a precedent that you know basically the president can go to Congress and then if Congress won't work with him, then he can just do whatever he wants, right? I mean, this stuff happens happens a lot throughout our history. I mean, the first person to set the precedent on the the, the president using the veto, the power of veto, in order to make Congress bend to their will was uh, Andrew Jackson, and then after Andrew Jackson did that, everybody did that. Before him, nobody was doing that. Um, 
and then when the precedent was starting to be set that with Roosevelt, that uh, with Franklin Roosevelt, that you know the president can go beyond the two-term limit, then you know Congress got involved in that. So I think that you know in the short term this may be a good thing um, because I don't think that they're bad ideas or anything like that. But in the long run, this could set something in, in motion that wouldn't really be too good for our nation in the long term. Because who's to say that it's only going to end here with gun control? You know, the next person who go who comes to the presidency can, you know, take that exact type of idea, that type of uh, mind frame and use it for, you know, ideas that wouldn't be particularly good for the nation. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you completely. Like even his executive action that he used on immigration end of 2014, it was right around he, we opened up relations with Cuba again. His immigration executive action is currently being legally challenged, if I'm not correct. Like, the executive orders aren't immune from lawsuits, but it's still going ahead right now. And those those immigration reforms will probably be overturned by a Republican candidate. And I would say almost all of his executive actions are overturned by a Republican candidate. So I'll I'll take it back to Ford not prosecuting Nixon after Watergate or Obama not going after Bush when they get after they get elected like there there there's precedents to do that like they they both broke the law and there there's plenty of other examples of presidents breaking the law while they're in office and then getting away with it but the fact of the matter is they don't do that stuff because they don't want that precedent set where like if hypothetically Obama arrested George W. Bush for lying to Congress and the American people about going to Iraq, then the precedent is set for the next president to arrest him and bring charges to him for insert number of misconducts that his administration has been a part of. So with the same thing with the executive actions, the template has been laid out to abuse these executive actions and to take power away from Congress and away from the Supreme Court. And it's just only going to get worse as time goes on. And if there's no incentive to show restraint, they're not going to show restraint. Right. And I to- I totally agree with you. I don't think that, I mean, and I, I talked about this in one of my classes recently where Already, the the executive branch already has too much power. I mean, he has he has full control over the military. There's nobody who can get in his way with that. I mean, yeah, sure, Congress can, you know, stop funding or whatever. But what's that gonna stop? I mean, they could just take over the Treasury Department. So, I mean, the president of all branches is already the most powerful branch of any of them because even then he doesn't even have to. I mean, he has to. I mean, if the president has full control, if the, if the officers in the military are supporting the president full-heartedly, then it, there's nobody that can really stop him in that situation. Now, ideally, the officers would not respect any type of like unconstitutional motives behind the president, but that's not realistic either, though. I mean, we've seen that plenty of times in history with, like, with Rome and, and other governments where people just over where they support one military strongman and it just goes into another, like, you know, dictatorship or whatever. Um, 
So yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I just don't I don't like the idea of the president taking on powers that aren't really within his like guidelines and then there's no real way for the judicial system or for or for Congress to really put a check on him either. Not that I'm not that I'm aware of either at least. No, because like No, I I I'm not aware of anything either. And like I said, it would be up to the president to limit those powers himself. And out of the current candidates that are running, especially on the Republican side, not not saying that Hillary and Bernie are free from this, but especially on the Republican side, I don't see any Republican candidate running right now to relinquish, relinquish power of the presidency. They may all talk about how much they hate the federal government and how much they, they hate the government in general and they want this, this, and this. But w- once they get into that office and they sit in that chair, they're, they're probably going to enjoy no, it too yeah, much agreed, to give any totally. of and then, I mean, especially with, I mean, after what we saw th- this past week where those two ships basically broke down and then the Iranian government uh, basically uh, helped out that those two U.S. naval ships. And then the, and then Trump and Cruz and Jeb Bush, and they're all talking about how if they were in the presidency, they'd be attacking and bombing Iran and stuff like that. I mean, realistically... That's the president's authority. The, the president can invade pretty much any country he wants without Congress's permission. And do we want the do we want those type of like rash decisions being made that would have huge implications later on down the line? I mean, I mean, for God, I mean, if Pakistan supported them, Pakistan has nuclear weapons. I don't know if that'd be a, a good idea to piss off somebody who has nuclear weapons. No, we've already we've already done right. that with and Russia. Over something to where, enough. You know, it was taken totally out of context. They didn't they didn't capture these ships. I mean, if they would have captured and detained and held ten US ten US naval officers or enlistees, uh, I mean there there would be no Iran at this point. We'd already be taking care of them, but that wasn't the case at all. They basically helped out those U those uh those military, those military personnel. From a situation that they had no control over, their ships broke down. From what I understand, yeah, like your ships break down, you're not going to be able to leave Iranian waters, and it, it's it's not unrealistic for the Iranians to board the ship and to say, hey, like we're not exactly friends with Iran, so like relations have gotten better, but we're still not on friendly terms with Iran, so it's not unreasonable for the Iranians to say, hey, we just want your hands up, we don't want any funny business. It's not unreasonable. We do that shit all the time in places we don't belong either, but it happens to us one time and everyone just flips out. And you brought it up earlier, like the president can invade whatever country he wants to without Congress. It didn't always used to be that way. Congress was more than happy to let the ability to declare war just kind of you know they, they were they were they were fine wiping their hands with that because if the war goes bad they can say hey i didn't support that he did it by himself if it goes good then they can say oh yeah i've been behind this since the start so they were congress has been more than happy to let that power of theirs go away because otherwise we wouldn't be having drone strikes in pakistan iraq syria like like how is how is dropping bombs on ISIS not an act of war? Like, we're technically not at war with ISIS, but you, you're you dropping bombs on them every day. How is that not an act of war? Right, exactly. If anybody dropped a bomb on us, that's an act of war. We'd be invading that country 
we'd yeah, be invading we, that country immediately. There'd be no questions about about it. But we can drop bombs on ISIS. We can drop bombs in Yemen. You know, we can drop bombs wherever we want in the world, and we just go, oh well, it's not an act of war, right? But you know, a couple guys fly a couple planes into uh, you know two buildings of ours, and it's an act of war against you know an entire group of people almost. So. Or hell, even the gunman and his wife from San Bernardino, like Republican candidates were declaring that an act of war by ISIS. Like, like they killed fourteen people, which is tragic. But how many people have we killed in our drone strikes and in our Syrian and our Syrian raids? Right, and then that whole them saying that that's an act of war against ISIS. I mean, how much proof do we have that they were actually like very connected to ISIS? I, I guess I haven't really looked into that situation. But uh, I mean, if anybody radicalized these people, it was. It was the Saudis. I mean, they both went to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, this, which I did appreciate. We're not we're not going to talk about the um, Republican debate too much because there's one coming up next week that we would like to discuss more. The last one before Iowa, but from what we watched, I did appreciate John Kasich being the only Republican candidate to bring up that in order to combat extremism and jihadism and terrorism in the Middle East is like we need to crack down on Saudi Arabia. He said, paraphrasing, hey, we'll be your friends and we're going to take care of you, but you need to put a lockdown on these radical clerics who are pushing this crazy idea. And that's stuff we've been saying for a long time. And we hardly ever hear candidates from either side, frankly, talk about this. No, oh, yeah, totally. I mean... I mean, hey, I mean, Barack Obama hasn't done, I mean, I don't think he's ever said anything negative against the Saudis, and Saudi Arabia is the, probably the second most radicalized state in the nation, only behind North Korea, but, I mean, oh, man, there was somebody who actually brought that up as well, North Korea, I can't remember who it was, somebody, whatever, I'll get to it at another time, we have second, I mean, but North Korea is a, you know, it's a crazy country as well, you know what? I think I, I think I know who it was. I think it was Marco Rubio who said that we need to put pressure on China to stop supporting North Korea because otherwise, because then North Korea wouldn't even be around anymore, which is true. North Korea wouldn't even have enough money to feed its to feed its populace if they didn't have support from China. But yeah, yeah but that's I a agree. whole nother that's a whole nother tangent by itself. Yeah, we don't need to be going on tangents <laughs> today. Yeah. So yeah, but moral of the whole story is, is that we need to, the presidency needs to slow down. I mean, something needs to happen to slow down the presidency's uh, power grab. I mean, it's grabbing onto powers that it shouldn't have. Um, like I said, before the president didn't even have powers to like just invade any country. One, he needed a declaration of war from Congress. And I agree. I think that war should be something that's not decided by one individual, but it should be decided by a group of people because one individual making a decision on something that's going to cost people lives. I think that's a little bit, not only is it too much power, but I think that's a dangerous idea. I don't think that one person should decide the the amount of lives that are going to be lost. So, you know, over something that, you know, it could they could be completely wrong on as well. Yeah, I completely agree. And it, it's a scary thought, but... If the if the power of the executive doesn't slow down, which I don't foresee it slowing down, it's going to get ramped up with the next cycle, whether it's Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump, or Ted Cruz, because 
I don't I don't think anyone from the other aisle is going to work with any of those. I don't think any Democrats are going to want to work with Ted Cruz or Donald Trump, and I don't think any Republicans are going to want to work with Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders. So they're going to have to rely on executive orders to get their agenda across, which that's another thing that is frustrating, the bipartisanship that has developed, that has gotten worse over the last 10 to 15 years. That makes it so these executive orders are necessary, but... I, I see us essentially electing dictators every four to eight years. Like we, we have a democracy that elects dictators every four to eight years is essentially the path I see us going down. Because with when you have when you have a man with that much power where Congress doesn't even really have that much power, like they could have power if they wanted to, but they're content getting paid to do essentially nothing, which is what they do right now. And they wonder why everybody hates them. They they are more they they may bitch about Obama and whoever's in charge, but they're they're more than content with him being the scapegoat for everything going going wrong in this country. So, yeah, when you're giving him too much power, it's only going to get worse. It's not going to get better. No, no, it's not going to get better. And then who's this? I mean, if 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 it does come down to something where we elect dictators every four to eight years or whatever who's to say that somebody's not just going to be like well that's the end of this cycle now i'm just going to be the only dictator going forward i mean dictating for life so i mean it's a crazy it's a crazy idea uh i know it's i know some people are probably thinking that we're tinfoil wearing people right now but it's i mean it's completely realistic um Uh, you just you just need the right mixture of all all the right bad things to happen for a situation like that to to completely to to happen like you just need you just need the right amount of fear the right amount of paranoia and boom one big terror attack hey these terrorists aren't going to go away i'm the only one who can take care of it 8 plus years later right and people are willing to give up People are willing to give up their freedoms for security, um, especially if something traumatic happened. Like, I mean, I've, I always entertain the idea of, you know, if everybody's sitting there watching um, the Super Bowl and then a massive explosion explosion happens at the Super Bowl, that's it. It's over. You might as well kiss all your freedoms goodbye because everybody at that point is going to be afraid and willing to give up whatever freedoms they got to in order to make sure something like that doesn't happen to them. And in the process, that doesn't mean that you're going to be more secure either. That just means that you're allowing somebody to have more control over you. And you're going to lose both your freedom and your security because you won't have you won't you'll you'll be secure from you might even you not, might not even be that secure from existential threats. Insert insert whatever threat that you're afraid of. We'll go with the Muslim because that's the that's the popular thing. Muslim terrorists. You're safe from Muslim terrorists now, but are you safe from the government prying into your life? Like, you obviously don't deserve the security to be free from the government messing with your life because you were so willing to give up your your freedoms to them. Like like the old line, like those who are willing to give up their freedom for security will lose both and deserve neither. All right, Benjamin Franklin for the win. Yep. Smart man. That's another thing, too. Like, I'm just... We're going on tangents now with the executive, with what we're trying to keep it on the executive, but 
what happened to the inspiring people like like the real inspiring individuals and the top minds of the day wanting to get into public office like like nobody inspires me who is currently working for the u.s government like i like bernie sanders and i i like i like his ideas but he doesn't necessarily even him doesn't he doesn't inspire me to go out there and do anything yeah let's try let's try since you brought that up let's transition this into the debate but we can we can start with talking about bernie sanders um yeah, you're right. Bernie Sanders doesn't really spark anything in me. Nobody in the, obviously in the Republican side, sparks anything in me either. There's some people that I like. I really do like some of the things. I really do. I don't like the things that Bernie Sanders says, but I do like what he what he wants. Um, but the thing is, is that he just he's he's like one of those kids that really isn't good with playing with other kids. Like he's just he isolates himself and he's just. He's not really open to other ideas. He wants things done his way, or he doesn't want it done at all. Which I I admire his conviction to his values, and he's been consistent on his values his entire political career. But when it comes to working with others, you kind of need to play well with others. Right, because it doesn't matter if he went like let's say like you know next year Bernie Sanders. Uh, you know, he won in November. He's he's elected the next president. He's going to be inaugurated uh, real soon. Doesn't matter if he becomes president if he can't get Congress to do anything with him. He's not. If Congress doesn't support any of his ideas, doesn't. I mean, once he becomes president, he can't write any bills. He can't make them do anything that he wants them to do. So everything he'll be he's saying that he's going to do will be in vain because he's not going to get anything done. I don't think I don't think he's gotten any major endorsements from Congress yet. He's gotten a few. I think he's gotten a few House members to endorse him, but he hasn't gotten Chuck Schumer or Elizabeth Warren or Harry Reid or Nancy Pelosi to back him yet. And he needs he would need Democratic leadership behind him if he becomes president. Yeah, yeah, he would. And oh my gosh, I remember we were talking about this. He was there was somebody. I think it was a governor. Rahm, it, it was Rahm Emanuel. He said he did not want Rahm Emanuel's endorsement. Which Rahm Emanuel is kind of political suicide right now, but why even bring it up? Right. I don't know. I just don't. I don't think that. I don't think that Bernie Sanders is real good leadership. Has real good leadership qualities. He, I don't know if he'll be able. I mean, he stands behind his convictions. He's pretty, he's consistent on the things that he wants, but when it actually comes to like uniting people, getting people to do the things that he would want them to do. I, I honestly don't feel like he, he, he's cut out for the job. He would he would do better as a senator as opposed to becoming president. Right. But then but then if Bernie Sanders go um goes then we're stuck with Hillary Clinton. Like, wow, yay, thank you. Thank you for giving us Hillary. How can we ever repay you? <laughs> right, you know I don't, I don't I don't know if my dry tone is conveying my sarcasm enough, but please I don't want Hillary Clinton. Right. I mean, yeah, no, Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton during the debate, um, you know, she has all the qualities of, uh, of a politician that the Donald Trump supporters hate, which is somebody who can speak very eloquently and who can convey the things that you want to hear or, you know, be as politically correct as possible on subjects. 
but you can tell that she's so full of it and that she's lying through her teeth. Yeah, she. I don't even really know what Hillary Clinton believes in. That that that's that's my biggest problem with her is I don't know what she believes in. Like, what drives her to do this? Like, why does she want to be president? Besides, like, I know why she wants to be president. She wants to be the, she wants to solidify her place in history as the first female president. Like, that's why she wants to do it. And that's me being cynical, but that's I'm pretty sure that's her biggest reason for doing it. But beyond that, like, what what is her big like? I know why Bernie Sanders wants to be president. I know what gets him up in the morning every day and why he's out there campaigning and trying to get my vote. I know why he wants to be president. I don't know why Hillary Clinton wants to be president beyond the woman card. Right. Yeah. I have no idea what Hillary Clinton, what is driving her. Um, I feel like I'd be locked up in Guantanamo Bay if I did know exactly what she was, what was driving her to be trying to become president. But, uh, yeah, you don't know what type of exactly what she wants. And because half the stuff that she's talking about right now, she's only, like, like the gay marriage thing, for example. Like, what, in, before 2000, she, like, she didn't even, she hated the idea of gay marriage. Now she's all for it and everything. I mean. It's, it's politically convenient to be for it now. Right. Especially as a Democrat. Right. I mean. So, I don't know. She's just so full of it. And you can just so tell. And they were attacking her today on the the whole her having support from Wall Street and stuff. And she's still trying to lie through her teeth that they're not supporting her because she's going to follow their agenda. It's like, come on, man. These guys are these are these are intelligent investors. They're not giving away money for kicks and giggles. They're giving away money because they need something. Yeah, Bernie Sanders bringing up her speaking fees for Goldman Sachs, like like. She's, she's. I think they've gotten more money from speaking fees than they ever did while they were in the presidency. Like they get a ton of money for their speaking fees, and like they're not just gonna pay you to speak there because they like you. Like they want you to do something for them. Right. Like I said, investors invest money for a return. There's a reason why they're giving you money, and it's not because they want you to be the first, because they want the first female president. They're doing it because they want more profit. They need more money. Shareholders are gonna want more money and more return. So, I mean, it's pretty obvious. But I, I, I just don't. Yeah, I just don't get why people like still support her. Like people like look beyond that. Like, oh, that's not the case. No, that's not the case. And like, I, I did watch some of the of a Obama State of the Union address. Nothing, nothing big. But he said food stamp recipients didn't cause the Great Recession. People on Wall Street did, which is true. And then people are just gonna cozy up to her. After she cozies up to these people who essentially cause the market crash, the economic crash in 2008, like she's cozying up to them and give, getting their money, and people still want her to be president. That's another thing that really makes me upset is that these corporations can donate so much money because they're considered people, but if something like that happens, then there's no real repercussions. If anything, there's reward because they made a mistake and now they're getting they're getting bailed out of it. Like if I buy a house and I don't pay my mortgage, the government isn't gonna bail me out of it because I got into something I couldn't afford. But when it comes to Wall Street, right, they can convince the government to give them money for the mistake that they made. Like there needs to be some type of accountability. Uh, there's no such thing as too big to fail. If you're a big company and you fail. That's on you. It's not anybody else's fault but your own. And nobody should be bailing yeah. you out unless they're going to be buying out your company. 
Yeah. And we, we talked about that in a pri- on a prior episode, how it would be, excuse me, more beneficial in the long run for these companies to fail because then more, more hungry, younger companies would come in and do, do what you do, but better and more efficient. Like, it just gets so stagnating with all these big companies running the show and they crush the smaller people. They, they crush innovation. They only, they only want innovation when it works for them. But yeah, like you said, when, if you, if you make a bad investment and you lose your house or your money or anything, the government doesn't show up and say, ah, DeAndre, I know you screwed up. It was your own fault, but here you go. Here's some money. You know, we don't, we're not going to ask you what you're going to do with the money, but just here's some money. Oh, okay. I'm going to take this money and I'm going to like buy some stuff for myself. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen to us, but these big, these big money guys on wall street, they, they can make mistakes and the government's like, Oh, here you go. Right. Not only that, but with the whole, like, with the whole, like, Citizens United thing, where, like, corporations are considered people, like, from what I understand, from the 2007-2008 financial crisis, uh, it, there was a lot of illegal activity going on. If I did something illegal, I'm facing some time in prison, more than likely, uh, if it was something that was going to cause that much harm to the economy, especially. So, what is the accountability? I mean, like, okay, so corporations can be considered people when it when it applies to them donating money for their benefits, but when it comes to legal issues, those people aren't being held accountable for that. I mean, they ha- I mean, we can look at their records. We can look at who voted for these illegal activities and who didn't vote for these illegal activities. Why can't those who voted for it be held accountable for it? Yeah, they should. If you want, if you want to use the argument that money is free speech and these corporations are people and they can use their quote free speech however they want to. Well, if corporations are people, then those corporations should be held accountable for their criminal activities like people are. Right. Because, yeah, the way that my professor basically put it was that they're an association. So if an association of three, if three people get together, they're now an association. They decide to pool their resources together and donate, then they can do so. Same thing with So the same thing should be held with corporations. Well, the difference is, is that if those three people donate their money towards something illegal, those three people are going to go to jail. Those three individuals are going to go to jail, but a board of directors or shareholders is not going to go to jail for their illegal activity. So uh, that's where I get, that's where I get upset with the whole Citizens United thing is that they get all the benefits from being considered people, but they don't have any of the real repercussions of it. And that, that, that goes to, our government working for the super wealthy and wall street, as opposed to working for us. Like they, they, they work for who pays the bills. We don't pay the bills. They pay the bills. You're, you're not going to bite the hand that feeds you. And that's the unfortunate reality of the situation. Yeah, very much. So. Like we, we don't feed them like they, they want us to vote for them, but it really doesn't matter because I mean, these this nomination process coming up, which that that's a bunch of BS. The RNC and DNC conventions, uh, that's that that's aggravating. Like, the the party pretty much picks who the nominee is, whether whether that's what the people want or not. So your voice isn't even heard when it comes to picking the nominee, let alone picking the actual president. Oh yeah, especially when it comes to the president. I mean, they basically made the electoral college specifically so that. 
the general population would not have control over who became president. But you know, yeah, whatever. It's like you, you can you can win the popular vote, but if you didn't win enough big states, then it doesn't even matter. Right. Which I mean, that was something that they were gonna, they were actually starting to talk about after President Bush won the won the presidency. But then 9-11 happened, and that kind of just threw all that under the rug for to never be brought back up again. No. So. I don't know, maybe, maybe this election cycle will be similar to Gore v. Bush, and we'll have this conversation again, but I guess we'll wait till the end of the year to find out. So let me throw a curveball at you, man. What do you think of uh, Martin O'Malley? Oh, man. I... I... I feel really bad for Martin O'Malley. Like you can tell, like there, there was a lot of times where he really tried to chime in and get a get a word in, <laughs> and where Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, where they did the same thing, they were allowed to talk. Like he was not allowed to talk. Like they really did not give him a platform to speak at all. Like, he said, "Hey, can I just get ten seconds?" And they pretty much just like went to commercial break. I don't think that's fair. Like if you're gonna, if you're gonna, you, they, everybody should be treated equally, whether they're Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, or Martin O'Malley. Like everybody should have had equal speaking time. There are parts in the debate where I forgot he was even there. To be completely honest with you. No, yeah, for real. I honestly did not even at towards the middle and latter half of the debate. I forgot that he was there completely. I was like, like the time where he, especially the time where he was like, "Hey, can I just get ten seconds real quick?" I was like, oh my gosh, he's still he's still here? Like, I thought he walked off the stage or whatever. I didn't know what happened. But yeah, they weren't giving him any time of day. They don't, nobody, I mean, it's, it's kind of sad, but yeah, nobody really cares what Martin O'Malley really has to say at this moment. It's kind of, it's kind of over for him. I don't have a problem with Martin O'Malley either. Like, I, I personally don't have a problem with him at all. Like, he hasn't said or done any, anything like that's like, offended me or like that just makes my stomach turn but at the same time like everything he's saying hillary or bernie is also saying and are generating more support and enthusiasm than he is yeah he doesn't have any original ideas unfortunately that seem to stand out or revolutionize uh the political process in any way so it doesn't really matter what he has to say because you can get either either extent of the you know or the pendulum at this point, you could either just get Hillary Clinton on the one side or Bernie Sanders on another. Uh, Martin O'Malley is kind of just saying a little bit of what both of them are saying at this point. And uh, he's still young. Like maybe the next time around, he can run again and maybe he'll do better. And like I said, I don't have a problem with Martin O'Malley. I hope he still stays active in the process and the and the democratic process, but. He wasn't even. He almost didn't qualify for this debate, and I he he should have dropped out a while ago. Honestly, he he really should have dropped out around the time Jim Webb and Lincoln Chafee did because he has been trying to get traction. He hasn't been getting any traction, and he just needs to, he just needs to let it go. Yeah, unfortunately, my unfortunately, my friend, it is over, especially with the caucuses coming up. Uh, his, you know, maybe he would have had a better chance if there would have been more debates for the Democrats, you know? Maybe yeah, he would have had a better chance if it wasn't, you know, the last one, last one wasn't on Saturday and this one was on Sunday. Well, the, last, the last three have been on weekends, which is ridiculous, but that's a... Which we, we can talk about that. We're talking about the Democratic debate. Yeah, having the debates on a weekend pretty much all but guarantee that nobody's going to watch them. 
whereas the RNC has scheduled their debates for Thursday nights and Tuesday nights. Like, they did schedule theirs for weekdays, and, and Trump draws ratings. But pe- people would watch the Democratic debates if they were during the week because there, there's a lot of interest in Bernie Sanders from people our age, and there's enough interest for Hillary Clinton. But, like, who the hell's going to watch? I mean, we watch the debate because you know, this is what we do, but who the hell else is going to watch a debate on a Saturday or a Sunday night? Seriously. No, yeah, seriously. I mean, it's a joke. It's so annoying. You can tell that, like, I mean, it's so obvious that the the Democratic Party just wants Hillary to be the the next, you know, their presidential candidate so bad that they're they're curtailing the path for her. You know, I mean, everything is basically being lined up for her, even though, I mean, they're really starting to feel the threat right now because Bernie Sanders is taking a lot of her numbers as a recent um I think I saw something where, like, he was it. I don't know if it was Iowa or New Hampshire where he was beating her for a, a period of time. Yeah, I think he's he's still beating her in Iowa. Not Iowa. I'm sorry. He's still he's beating her in New Hampshire by about nine points. And it's really close in Iowa with her. Like, I think he's only four points down from her in Iowa. So, I she definitely was not expecting to get this much of a threat from Sanders. And we've talked about this. I'm pretty sure there was a there was a little meeting in 2008 where they told Hillary that she needed to drop out so that Obama could get the nomination so they could stop fighting amongst themselves. Drop out, we'll make you Secretary of State, and you can have a clean run in 2016. And it makes sense. I'm pretty sure something went out went out to all the Democrats saying, "Hey, 2016's Hillary's year. Don't run." Like, like why else does it explain why no one else ran for the Democrats besides Martin O'Malley and Bernie Sanders? I mean, a, no, a, a great person, yeah. another great per- person who should have ran would have been, you know, I would have been more happy if Elizabeth Warren would have ran for president instead of Hillary Clinton. I think yeah. I would have more have rather her being our uh, yeah. first female president, but I'm pretty sure she was told not to run either, though. Yeah. Even though she would, she Bernie, would have been a great, she would have been a great one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I like Warren. I like Warren a lot. She she definitely would not have been bought out like out by Wall Street like Clinton would have been. But are you trying to tell me like no other prominent Democrat like is is not gonna run? Like, I'm pretty sure there was something that went out saying like this is Hillary's year. Don't screw it up. Right, and then you, the only people who were running were those scrubs, Jim Webb, and I don't even like, remember the yeah. yeah. I don't even yeah that guy see like like what like what's a what's a lincoln chafee yeah seriously yeah it sounds like a that sounds like a std (laughs) (laughs) it's it's aggravating because then you have like 50 candidates on the republican side and each one's angrier than the next and that's just a pardon my language that's just a shit show over there yeah no um that that just to go off trade a little bit that that side that could go a whole lot better if a couple of people were taken out. Uh, Chris Christie would have to be gone. Uh, obviously, Donald Trump would have to be gone. Ben Carson and Ted Cruz would have to be gone. In order the for, crazies? Yeah, the crazies. In order for that to have been a more intellectual... In order for those to have been more intellectual conversations, those people would have had to have been gone. And Chris Christie didn't use, uh, used to be so crazy. He, I, We both used to like Chris Christie a couple of years ago. I, I, I used to like how he would just use blunt language, tell it like it is, but not be 
not be ostracizing or polarizing with his offbeat language. He would just be like, this is what needs to get done, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And I think I think that would have done really well this cycle. But I, honestly, ever since Trump's entered the race, Christie's just gotten more angry, more vocal. Like, he, man, he just rails against Obama like the the way he talks about him calls him a petulant child saying they're going to kick him out of the White House like they the current Republican Party has absolutely no respect for the president at all like you'd like him or hate him we both personally don't have the highest opinion of him I still respect the man he's the president of the United States but the Republican Party has no respect for him whatsoever yeah I mean not even from just like a a, a respect point but just from like a just from like a class point, like you're showing such little class by the way that you're railing against him as if you would do any better, as if you have any better ideas. I mean, they're attacking the man, they're attacking the man, um, you know, his character, which which isn't even a real, which aren't even real arguments. I mean, if you're going to attack him, attack him on his policies and stuff like that. But insults, there's, there's and, plenty of substance. Yeah, there's plenty of substance. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if I was in that if I was in that debate, I'd probably be, you know, a stuttery maniac, but at least I'd be able to attack the things that, I would attack the things that he did. Uh, I wouldn't attack him as a person, because I'm pretty sure as a person, he's not a bad guy. Um, no. But, I mean, you know, he does have some stuff that I would probably want to, you know, argue with him about, you know, bombings and stuff like that. But, I mean, they're, all they do is just talk about, you know, every time they bring, it's like every time they bring up something, they're like, what would you do on healthcare? Well, I would do exactly what not Obama's not doing, and that is, it's like the sentence didn't have to start that way. We just needed to hear what your idea on the subject would be, not what the opposite of Obama would be doing. Yeah, Obama's not the demon. He's uh, he he inherited a mess when he got into office, and it's just yeah like you said that just a complete lack of class a complete lack of class but that's what the that's what their base wants and that's what the republican base wants they want them to attack obama and it it really turns me off like it turns me off completely to candidates when all they do during any of their arguments is bash hillary clinton or bash the president like it, it i don't even want to listen to anything you have to say when you're when you're talking like that right totally agree and let me just throw out one thing real quick now that I thought about it. Um, the president is not responsible for gas prices, so I just want to make that very clear right now <laughs> that I am tired of seeing people go, George W. Bush had gas prices at $4. Obama has them at a dollar something now. The president is not in any way, shape, or form in control of gas prices. If anybody is relatively in control of gas prices, it would be Congress. And I know none of y'all want to give Congress credit for that. So, again, please stop it. It is driving me insane <laughs> seeing that on my news feed. That is, that is all I had to say about that. Sorry. No, I, I, I've been seeing it, too. And, yeah, it's, it's a little aggravating. I just kind of ignore it. But, yeah, no, it, it is kind of it is ridiculous to give him credit where no credit is due. No. Not to attack the man on everything, but he is not responsible for gas prices. No, we'll definitely if, give him credit where it's due. Right. If anything is responsible for gas prices, it is the free market with the rise of fracking and the Saudis for over drilling and supplying us with too much cheap oil. 
those would be so, the two responsible two responsible categories for low gas prices. So thank you, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> thank you, Saudi Arabia, you ideological, insane group of people. Not the, group, not the people, but the Saudi government, you guys are absolutely Yeah, insane. the Saudi royal family, theocratic dictator monsters. Right. So back to what we were saying about the lack of class with the Republican base. Not, not to say that the, all the Republican base is like this. No, 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 no. no, no. There, John, there John is Kasich, definitely... John Kasich. I, I, I'm right there with you, man. I really, really do like John Kasich. Every time he almost... I can't. There was a couple times where I didn't like what he had to say, but overwhelmingly, I do like a lot of what John Kasich has to say. I think he... Of, of anybody who was in the primary debate uh, this last week, I think that he would be the one that would have the the more positive effect for the Republican Party than any other candidate yeah. right now. Yeah, because because I like him for a lot of things. Like he doesn't sound like he's absolutely crazy. That's a plus. He doesn't want to he he doesn't want to kill everybody. He I, I really I really do appreciate that every time he talks he's not always bashing Obama or Hillary Clinton. That's that that's a big plus for me. And he also doesn't act like our country's going to fall apart at a moment's notice if we elect another Democrat. Like, they all act if Hillary Clinton gets elected, like the country's just going to fall, fall into pieces and, and sink into the ocean. Yeah. Like, climate change is going to do that, yeah. but Hillary Clinton's not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, or the other thing. I can't – they'll talk about how they can't believe the actions that this president has taken to – that is destroying our military. What are you talking about? Oh my gosh. What are you, like, <laughs> that just drives me insane. It's like you do realize that we still have the largest, most effective military on the planet by far. Like, yeah. not even a competition. Anybody on a one on one fight, we will roll them up like a carpet. It's not even fair. If we you, would. If you take out they, nuclear they, weapons. They keep acting like, they, like Obama's just like taken a knife to our military and just gutted it. Like he's gutted our military. First thing I would do is I would restore our military strength back to full force. Like, uh, I, the military's already doing pretty good. Like, he hasn't completely gutted our military. Like, calm down. I know, I know most of you are war-hungry, but it, it, it's just chill out. Yeah. For what? Who do we need to attack? I mean, the only group that you can even argue for at this moment... Uh, well, there's actually... I mean... I mean, I... There's Saudi Arabia and North Korea, but I mean that's not gonna happen. So at this point, yeah. the only people that you can argue for is ISIS, and and for what? All you're gonna do is just create another ideological power vacuum that's just gonna be replaced by something else, unless you are willing to actually like annihilate that region where they occupy right now. But you even would, then, you, you still have, have the problem of Saudi Arabia on them and kill everybody. Right, but even then, you still have the problem of Saudi Arabia that can still just radicalize them. I mean, we're not going to do anything to Saudi Arabia because they give us tons of cheap oil. Yeah, that's the thing. And we talked about that a few episodes back, too, about uh, being energy efficient. And they talked about that at the Democratic debate as well tonight as being more economically free. And they talked about it. They touched on it a little bit in the Republican debate, but it was more talked about in the Democratic debate, which is being more economically free and secure which i i am completely 100 percent on board with i think we need to get off dependence on oil 
by I would say by 2050 we need, we should be 100% off it. I would like it to be sooner, but you know, be realistic. Yeah, let's be realistic. We need to be 100% off oil by 2050. Right. Com- completely. And I don't like Hillary Clinton says that she wants this to get done. I think she's just appealing to her base because the Democratic base it really is behind this whole green energy movement. And, you know, you'll get some Republicans who are on board with climate change, but the vast majority are not. I'm center left. I'm completely on board with climate change and moving towards a more eco-friendly fuel source. So, like I said, I don't think Hillary Clinton 100% believes it. She 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 talks for whoever writes the checks. She doesn't speak for anybody else except for her donors. Right. Last I checked, the sun wasn't going anywhere for a couple billion years. So that's a pretty yeah. good, that's a pretty good one right there. Um, the, the, the one thing that I really have a, a problem with, with the, with the left is when they start talking about like the $15 an hour thing, don't get me wrong. It sounds great on paper, right? You raise everything, you raise everybody's minimum wage to $15 an hour. Then people can start affording more. Then they'll start spending more and more people will get employed and stuff. But all that's just going to do is just caught this, right? Just increase the cost of everything. You know, the thing that they never talk about is. Why are I mean why aren't they why don't they ever talk about like getting goods themselves cheaper right I mean if we could get everything if we could get the price of everything cut in half we wouldn't have to have everybody's you know income go up to fifteen dollars an hour I feel like that's a that's a crucial part that we're all, that we're missing in these debates is stopping stuff from going up in price and not necessarily from price control but from stuff that we could actually control like. Less regulation, lower taxes, stuff like that. Are you talking about curbing inflation? Yeah, and then that's another thing. I mean, we just had uh, that bill just get shut down from the Federal Reserve being audited. I mean, the Federal Reserve is the biggest controller of our economy, and yet nobody has ever looked through their books to see if everything that they've done is justified. Well, why, why would we want to do that? Why would we want, why would we want, we want to hold a government agency accountable for anything to do? Right. Especially one as powerful that's just cra- as the Federal Reserve. That, that's just crazy talk. Crazy talk. Stop spewing your crazy talk. I know. I need to take my tinfoil hat off. Exactly. No. In all honesty, the fe- I mean, the IR- I mean, the, the IRS is more willing. At this point, we have an IRS that is more willing to audit a waitress than we do the Federal Reserve, which is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Like you just if you if you miss something up on your taxes, you're more likely to get audited than the Federal Reserve. And yeah, I agree. The Fed should be audited. And didn't Rand Paul push that legislation through? Yeah. Rand Paul pushed or it. Or try to. Mm-hmm. I know he's been talking about it for a long time. Yeah. It's kind of one of his sticks. Yeah, he kinda of, he picked that up from his father. Yeah. Well, which I mean it's very important. He should know what I mean, they control our currency. The price of everything is going up because they're inflating the money supply. I mean, why don't we talk about that? So, I, I don't feel like the $15 an hour thing is gonna, would actually fix anything. I think it would just cause more problems in the long run. I guess that's where they I'm going. Do. And they're not, I don't think that they're seeing the whole picture on that. Would you would you say that the price should, like the minimum wage should go up something? Like, I think what's the federal minimum wage? Seven twenty five. Yeah. Yeah, I think in, I think in, I think here in Michigan it's all like eight seventy five, almost nine dollars now. Yep, and I think it's gonna go so, up one more time. 
Yeah, by twenty sixteen or twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. But would you, would you still want a federal minimum wage to go up? Not necessarily fifteen, but maybe something like ten. Yeah, no, I'd be I'd be for that. I I'd want it to happen to waitresses as well, uh, waiters and waitresses as well. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah, want, I don't I don't like that they get I don't like that they, they get paid like two three dollars. Yeah, they live off tips and stuff like that. And then if you know if you don't tip now you're now you're at you know a home at this point because you screwed <laughs> somebody over. You know the company sh- whoever they're working for should pay them. It shouldn't be my and I tip. Don't get me wrong, but it shouldn't be my responsibility to pay your employee. You should pay your employee. Yeah, I agree. All right. Which, don't get me wrong, I tip as well. We both tip. DeAndre tips a little better than I do, but we both tip. Right. And I'm black, so there you go. <laughs> Why you always got to bring up the race card, bro? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Obama. I'll blame it on Obama. <laughs> yeah, he's the he's been the most racially divisive president ever, didn't you know? Yeah. I'll tell you what I won't do. I won't tip like Obama. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm for that, but in part of it, if if something like that was was to happen, I'd also want there to be legislation to try to, you know, go against inflation and some type of some type of legislation that would try to help bring the cost of everything down. I don't know what it would have to be less taxes, less regulation, um, but something to try to not, but something to try to help it to where if you know people's minimum wage is going up. You know they're not they're not suffering in the long run with just prices just going up. Yeah, and if we're gonna have inflation, I think that the income should go up with inflation. Where hypothetically you're still making seven twenty five an hour, and your your wages haven't gone up in a year, but the price of say bread has gone up sixty cents in a year. Like if you if you're gonna keep if you're gonna keep the minimum wage at you know such and such dollars, and inflation keeps going up, but the wages stay stagnating then I think the minimum wage should curb with inflation to make it so that you're not spending any more money on stuff. Right. No, that'd be ideal. That would be ideal. But I mean, the most ideal situation would be for inflation not to happen at all or for, you know, the price of stuff not to have to go up except for market-driven reasons. But, you know, again, let's be realistic right now. The Federal Reserve isn't really held accountable for any decisions that they make, so that's not going to happen. No, which like this, I, I, this isn't the best example, but man, isn't it expensive to go to the movies these days? No, that's a great example. Like, like to just to go to like I try to go to the matinees like before five o'clock. You go anything past five, at least down here. I know up up from where I'm from, Mount Pleasant, it's, it's about the same price. It's almost eleven dollars to go to a weekend movie at night. Like that's ridiculous. It, I I don't I don't I'm not the one of those guys who's always like oh back in my day, but when I first started going to the movies like by myself back in about ten years ago, it was about six seven dollars to go to a movie at night. Like it wasn't a big deal. Like for 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 me and my wife to go to a movie ten years ago, for both of us to go is the price for just me to go right now. Now that's just in like six to seven years, right? Which is I don't know, man. That's crazy. It's crazy how like in the the movie industry how prices have just skyrocketed out of nowhere. 
They go and up. There's nothing you can really do about it. Right. They go up pretty much every year. That's why these movies are making more money. It's like, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Making more money because it costs more to go to them. It costs like 16 bucks to go to an IMAX 3D movie. Right. It's like your whole paycheck to see something in D-Box, which i <laughs> I never done that, but... I have not either. Yeah, but you might as well just like, you know... Here's here's last week's check. Here's last week's check. I hope it comes with popcorn. Absolutely not. All right, we'll take my second one, too, while you're at it. Oh, man, the theater down here by me, you can't even get pop refills. Yeah? yeah I don't even think they let like, you do popcorn. I think they let you do one popcorn, one bucket refill or something like that. If it's a yeah, bag, if it's it, a bag, they don't let you do refill. Is there like a popcorn shortage that we didn't know about? Is there a soda shortage that nobody tell, told us about? Like, why can't we get these refills? We're paying twelve bucks for the pop and popcorn. Like, I think I should be entitled to as many free refills as I want. You charge me like fifty bucks for this popcorn in the first place, and I know corn is the most grown grain in the world right now. So I know it's not a shortage of corn. So don't tell me that. But I mean, come on. It's yeah, well, that, that, yeah, that that was just an example that I that I thought of right away. But no, that's yeah. a great one. But rent rent is skyrocketing. Yeah, rent skyrocketing yeah, to the is. roof. Man, there's a there's a lot of problems, and it just it just doesn't seem like anybody really is talking about the real problems of how to how to fix it. Like you know, like you said, the fifteen dollar an hour sounds great, but. Until you keep the cost of goods or rent down, like it doesn't matter how much money you make, because oh, you you have eight extra dollars now, so we're gonna jack the price up of everything ten dollars. You should be able to afford it now, and you're you're back in the same boat you were before. You got a raise increase, right? Possibly even worse, or even worse. Well, who knows what type of reactions uh, the economy would take to you know a fifteen dollar an hour raise? You know, I mean. So, oh God, somebody was making the only example, the only successful example I seen somebody make was in Seattle, Washington. But they have like the marijuana industry now to kind of like curb tail it. But I mean, that's not going to last forever. Eventually, the cost of everything is just going to go up, and they're going to see some negative, some negative effects with fifteen dollars an hour. Yeah, which I guess we can we can wait and see and see how how everything goes for Seattle. I mean, it could it could be it could work out. I'm I'm open to being wrong, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Which you brought up marijuana. There's something I'd I'd like to talk about later. Not something we can talk about. We're already pushing the hour mark, so oh, yeah. probably shouldn't dive too deep into the discussion of cannabis. Which Bernie Sanders brought up cannabis a lot, and during the debate as well, mentioning how kids are getting put in jail for marijuana consumption while these Wall Street brokers and bankers didn't go to jail for worse crimes. Right. I thought that was interesting. If anything, they got rewarded. Yeah, they got rewarded with bigger paychecks. Yeah, must be hard. I know one of the guys from uh, uh, the former CEO, I think before before the current one, I can't remember the current, the previous CEO's name, but before Brian Moyhan, um, he was he was forced to take a settlement. Man, what a settlement this guy got! Five million dollars a year. God, it must be hard having to have accepted resignation for five million dollars a year. Man, the struggle is real. It is so real. It is so hard being part of the one percent. I am sure it is on a daily basis. 
Man, I wait, would quit wait. my job right now. Never go back into it again. If I could get five million dollars, five million dollars for one year would be great. Yeah, I can make that work. Yeah, no, for real, I can make that work. I would definitely stop working, uh, and just be a full time student for whatever degree I decided at the top of my head. Yeah. I mean, hey, we just we just need to become one percenters, bro. We just need to work on it. Just be one percenters. Trust me, I'm working on it. But boom. I'll just ride your coattails to the top. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm bringing you with me. So good. Be like, uh, I don't know if you guys heard about us, but uh, um, we're with the one percenters, and we run a podcast called Irrational Thoughts. We also run. We also are governors in five different states. <laughs> yes, we are governors in five states. Yeah, because we have houses in five states. And we have multiple personalities. We're ju- we're just crazy. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, no. People running, people actually get into office are the are the losers. We'll be just, we'll be the ones paying off the politicians to do what we want no, at that point. Yeah, I I joke around with people all the time saying I want to be rich enough to own my own politician. Yeah, but you know you made it when you can destroy the environment and get away from it. That's Ooh, when, that's when you know you've made it. You can dump tons of crude oil into the ocean. And not have any real repercussions. You know you you did it. You <laughs> you are at the top. You are untouchable. Hey, hey we're sorry that it happened. Yeah. Oh oh, you, they apologize so everything's okay. Yeah, dude. If I went if I went down to Florida right now, and I took a gallon of oil and dumped it into the ocean, I would be put in jail so quick. Yep. So quick. It wouldn't even be a question. And they might shoot me, actually. You probably. Yeah. Immediate. Immediate. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. Yeah. Stand your ground. Yeah. They would would have George Zimmer come take care of me, but. I think we're getting a little bit off topic. I think that's a sign that we should probably end this episode. Yeah. We can go ahead and wrap this up. All right. Anything you wanted to say before we close out? Uh, no, thank you for listening to us. Sorry that we got a little uh, ridiculous at some points. Um, sorry about for the lack of content. Uh, we both got a lot going on. So we're trying our hardest to make sure things, um, to try to get as many of these episodes out as possible. Um, but we both do have our separate lives that we both have to live, unfortunately, that get in the way of that. Um, we will be hopefully doing a Star Wars episode pretty soon. So... In our next episode, which will more than likely be titled with something with Star Wars, do not listen to it unless you have seen The Force Awakens, um, because there will be tons of spoilers in there. It's probably going to be within the first 30 seconds of the episode. At, at, at this point, who hasn't seen that movie, though? Yeah, no, for real. If you haven't seen the movie, then I don't even know how you're functioning as a human being. But Fix it. Yeah, because, I mean... That movie was better than... I mean, it, it provided more subsidence for me than most most meals, so... <laughs> speaking, speaking on the lack of content and us having separate lives, like we, we could do more of these episodes if anybody wanted to pay our rent or our bills. We're just throwing that out there. Oh, yeah. If we didn't, ha- if we didn't have to work, we could do more of these episodes. So if anybody just feels out of the generosity of their hearts to pay for our bills... We, we won't say no, but I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. Also, if somebody could show up to class for me, take notes, and do my exams and papers, that'd be great, too. 
But so, but you know, that's completely volunteer. No. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure involved, but it would be most appreciated. But all right, so you can you could find us on Facebook, the Irrational Thoughts Podcast. We'll uh try to provide content on there every once in a while, keep you updated on what's going on and what our thought process is on certain things. You can also find us on Twitter at IRR Thoughts. Rational Thoughts Podcast, type it in there. That is where you were located. We're on podcast.com and on iTunes, where we are. We are on iTunes now. We have in the last few episodes, so check us out there. Subscribe to us. Give us a like. We would like to get a YouTube channel started up in the next few months. We got we got some things lined up for this year. Hopefully 2016 will be a big year for us and we can reach more people. Please, please share our episodes with your friends, your family, we want to offend as many people as possible, so just just get our voices out there, please. And thank you for listening, and we hope to hear from you soon.